Hello, everyone. Welcome to Charmed Life. I am your host, Trisha Carr. And if it's your first time joining me, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. It is both audio on any of your podcast outlets. And of course, on YouTube also, I have this as a video. And this podcast is all about you becoming more you, about working with metaphysics, mysticism, your mind, your higher mind, and all of the benevolence of the universe, working with universal love. And that is what we do here. I often interview guest experts, and in this particular episode, I am going to be here with you, just you and me. I'm going to be teaching you three ways that you can change your past three ways that you can change the past. Doesn't that sound exciting? Well, you may wonder what on earth is the context here. And some of you do know me. And so thank you so much. <laughs> Those of you who are, are, who are regular listeners or are watchers or followers, I really appreciate you. Your light, your love contributes to this in every single episode. But just in case people are new, I am an intuitive. I'm a multidimensional multidimensional medium, an animal communicator, and I am a clinical hypnotherapist. But really above and beyond all of that, uh, all of that is utilized as teaching. Uh, my main thing is teaching and facilitating and leading group healings, group therapy, group hypno journeys. And But I do have a small one-on-one -on -one practice that um, I have either a very small set that I'm working with regularly or sometimes I do open up my, I'm able to open my calendar for drop-ins, one-on-ones that come in, you know, spontaneously without being in a, a longer-term program, a therapeutic program. And, but, you know, I, this is what I love. I love offering teaching. And so I do do that here in my studio and also online. And so go find my website, trishacarcharm.com. Look under Mystic Arts Academy. That's where you'll find a lot of things that I do, including leading group hypno journeys in my Mystic Arts Academy almost weekly. It's really amazing. So let's talk about how you can change your past. Three ways that you can change your past. As I mentioned already, I teach and talk about mysticism and metaphysics. And I love to explain those two words as tools, as ways that we can actually uh, get into our, our real truth and the real truth of the universe. A reminder that when something is true, that means that it's true from every perspective. And since there are, quite frankly, infinite perspectives of the universe, then there must be very uh, simple truths in order for it to fit all of those infinite perspectives. And so there's truth, and then there is maybe what we might call reality. And reality is something that may be a bit more fluid, or at least that's how I'm, let's just set those parameters for this particular education today. Reality is, uh, like I say, fluid because we have a reality that we are personally experiencing on the inside with our thoughts, with our feelings, and then we have a reality that is manifest on the outside as physical dense matter or as less dense events and activity. And all of those from one point to the other, let's take that matter, dense matter as like this telephone or or my body and let's think of that as kind of the one end of the spectrum and then way over on the other end of the spectrum of reality is a feeling is an emotion that is much more open you see it doesn't have as much 
that it has collected to it so that it has become a physicalized reality. And all of those points on that spectrum of non-physical or energetic or spirit to physical or matter is all of those are realities. And all of those are along the points of creation. And really and truly, one isn't more real than another. One isn't real, isn't more real than another from a certain perspective, certainly not from the perspective of the universe, not from the perspective of your higher mind. It's just that one has had more of the non-physical contributed to it so that maybe eventually it becomes something that is physical, something that we call manifested. But even the thought and the feeling is a manifestation. And the non-physical or the less physical precedes the physical. But the physical itself, the created or the manifested, is a part of the manifesting process because it moves, it is, it becomes a signpost to connect and inform with that non-physical. Again, you look at your world, your reality, and you allow that to be the information that helps you to go back and take it back to the blueprint, you know what I mean? Back to the drawing board. And so you look at your, let's say your job, as I have done before and said, well, there are parts of it that are working and I'm going to enhance those. And then there are parts of it that feel out of alignment with me. And so take that back to the drawing board, take that back to the feeling and the thinking part of the creation process. And then it's like the creator, which would be that non-physical aspect and the creation, which is the physical, now become partners you may wonder, wait, aren't we talking about changing the past? Yes, we are. But the way we do this is to understand this process because the past is somewhere along the lines of the creation partnering with the creator. And that's what we need to recognize that the creation, which may be something that is a physical reality of your past timeline, is now dematerialized or dematerializing to some degree because if it's in the past that means it's not materially here and now on this timeline time time space reality but it is something that is that information that can be utilized just as looking at your current job and saying what is it about this that I would like to learn from and shift or change and that's what we're going to do today and what's really cool about this process is it does reflect that you are a creator you are made in the image of God, as it says in the Torah, as it says in that Old Testament, that God made humankind in its image. I'm shifting it a little bit because I think it's kind of funny to actually give the source of all creation a binary label for <laughs> gender. <laughs> That's just me, though. You can call God he or she, whatever you prefer. I tend to say it because it encompasses more. And so that source energy sought to experience itself and then created and had a thought, had a feeling, and then partnered with that feeling or thought, that creation, and imbued it with the same power to have the thought or feeling, and then to create of its own. But see, the, the line of that original source energy, God energy, is still um, integral or necessarily a part of every single creation. So even your creation if it is that still that same metaphor of your job that you would like to shift, it has creation energy in it. 
It has a piece of creator energy in it. And so it partners with you. You take that back to that drawing board. With that said, now let me talk about how we can use myth and mysticism in metaphysical thought, which is really a a philosophy, metaphysics or philosophy. I find mysticism to be more of an art form. And so we want to see these as tools and myth as well, what that which is mythic, and myth not to mean, oh, that's just a myth, it's untrue. We want to use the word myth in the sense of it being a useful symbol that helps us to understand how things are, very much alike the physical, physically created reality. It is a thought form created reality that helps us to understand how things are. And we use these as tools, and be they in that non-physical realm, does not, does not make them any less real, just a different point of the reality process. It is actually Bashar, who is the entity who is channeled by Daralanka, who says, you cannot ma- imagine a non-reality. You cannot imagine a non-reality. Your imaginal plane is a reality. It is a reality that should you continue to send frequency, send the calling signal to the, that reality that will eventually collapse those waveforms into particles and attract to it, send out a calling signal of all the neutrinos that would make it a, real, a physical reality. You know, I think that we get really, I want to say even kind of obsessed, like we're addicted to that which is physically real because there are these critical points in childhood between the ages of zero and eight particularly when the caregivers of children really need them to pay attention to the outside world for the sake of survival and to train them in that which is exactly what is meant to happen what's supposed to happen that is how the human being is meant to be trained And since the reality that we must be trained on is run in an unconscious way, what we have co-created together has a lot of unconsciousness to it, then the caregivers have to alert the children in a way that helps them to focus on their physical survival and and, and actually kind of infuse it with something that is unconscious. Now, I'm not saying it's 100% necessary. I'm just saying it is what tends to happen. And what almost always seems to happen, (laughs) why we are all here together probably, is that we are given some kind of message that as a child, that the child is given some kind of message that the inner reality, the non-physical reality or the imaginal reality isn't real at all, or at least the reality of it is so insignificant or it or un or non-valuable not re, non-resourceful that it should be ignored and that it should be even to some degree have shame cast upon it and children i mean you, you that that stage that children it doesn't come just from the caregivers it comes from their peer sets too you know what i mean you know that stage when kids are going that's for babies and you know they're still like a toddler a very young kid that's for babies and i don't that's not for me. And they want to put away a toy. And I've even seen, you know, we've, we've probably if you've been around kids at all, or if you've raised them, a moment when a child actually begrudgingly 
stops playing with a toy or stops a particular activity and is kind of really trying to add some discipline to themselves saying, no, someone told me that teddy bears or unicorns or I remember in fourth grade, it was when you weren't allowed to hold your best girlfriend's hand, your little friend's hand, because that meant something like uh, they would say some silly word, like you were humping. (laughs) You know, or or say that you were, well, they said, you know, that means you're gay. And I didn't even know what gay meant. I didn't know what to be in a relationship meant at all. I just knew that the this was some kind of judgment that was being placed upon me in the, in the same way of being told that you're a baby. You don't even really know why that's bad. You just feel the energy of it as a child. And so you begrud- begrudgingly, that child begrudgingly stops and tries to discipline themselves from doing something that they really, that really inspires them to you know have affection with your best friend contrary to the social judgment about it and or put down a toy or a game or something that elicits imagination and elicits inspiration because it is said to be less valuable despite how you feel about it how that child feels about it and so we are we have some unconsciousness infused in there we have a disconnect we have to divorce that non-physical reality but that non-physical reality, that in the feeling and the sensing and the imaginal, is a reality. It is just as real. It, it is fundamental to the reality that becomes physical. And so keep all of that in mind as I teach you these three techniques. I'm going to give you an overview of three techniques to change your past. So now changing the past. Some people get confused and that that's... I actually, uh, you know, titled it as such so that it can elicit a lot of curiosity. But some people get confused that that when we change the past, it is because we are like we're we're meant to be changing the physical past, and that somehow there is a an a literal line of past activity that can be experienced in the imaginal realm. So I'm a hypnotherapist, and it seems to be a common association with hypnosis that you would do something like age regression. Because if you regressed yourself along an age timeline, that you would be able to review in a literal sense that which which took place along the timeline. But here's the thing. Even in your physical now reality, you are perceiving things in a limited way. And so the reality that you're experiencing in this moment, this very, this second, can be extremely different from this second because of how you might shift your perceptors, how you might shift your state, how you might shift the inside and what it is that you are letting in. And so that is true for these past, these timelines. Every memory is created in the moment. Every moment of perception is created at this time, and it has limitations on it. And every moment that we are eliciting from the past, every memory is created in this moment through these perceiving filters, through these perceptions. And so even though we have a sort of um, facility that we store things in our in our memory as a line, a linear time, that's actually what we're going to use. But even though we we have this per, this kind of way that we tend to store things, it doesn't mean that you are going to experience an absolute truth if you look at past 
memories or past experiences. And so hypnotherapists actually don't age regress almost ever, almost ever, because the fact is that if you aren't explained that it is just a perception going through all the filters of the now, then you can actually implant false memories. And see, we're going to do the opposite here. We're going to do the opposite. We're going to look at anything, recognizing that a memory that we're, we're perceiving right now is something that is just an archetype or a symbol. And then we're going to infuse it with positive, positive feeling states and be able to elicit from it learnings. That's what we're going to do today. And so, but the thing is that age regression is not, not really used in that sense. We do other things that kind of get us to the past or the timeline. And we must see it as something that is symbolic that is informing the now. Because if we overemphasize, again, the, the, the concept that the physical reality is the thing that is more true than that which it is giving to you in the non-physical sense, then we are kind of back to that injury, that critical injury of disconnecting your, the reality and the usefulness and resourcefulness and the importance of your imaginal plane or your inner reality. So know that, that it, what it is about is, is changing the pain and allowing the pain to be the infor- information, if it is pain, or um, when painful, mem- painful events are cleared, essentially, it's the negative emotions that are attached to those memories. And so the way that we do that is we actually want to favor that which is the uh, focus on what we have learned from it rather than the focusing on the experience itself. So if we are reviewing something of the timeline of the past, then we focus on it in a way that is actually dissociated. If it is something about I'm not good enough or there's shame, then we look at it and be the master of it and we have to ask and we decide that we want to learn from that and infuse it uh, elicit from it learning and then infuse it with positivity. That's what we want to do. So before you go into any of these practices, you need to ask yourself if you're ready to choose healing about a past event. You see? Because if you are interested in being accurate or correct about your pain or about the injury, about your victimhood, then that's what you're going to find. And you know what you're going to do? You will then have your intention followed through with, meaning you will injure yourself. If you want to be accurate, that you have a right to be hurt, then you will create that for yourself. So if you're ready to choose healing over being right, then that's when you would go into one of these processes. And so you would ask yourself, what is more important, being right or feeling better? What is more important, being right or being healed, and setting someone else free from the wrong or the unforgiveness that you're holding for them if it involves another person, what, or if it involves just yourself. What is more important? Feeling better? Being more evolved? Being eventually, from this experience, of service to others? Or feeling angry at yourself? What is more important? Being right or feeling better? And if right now it is being right, then we're going to start somewhere else. And we're going to start with a different step. But if you're ready for it, by the way, if at some point, if you are more focused on the feeling and being inside the feeling than what you can learn from the event, then you may want to stop and you may want to say, 
what is more important, being right or feeling better. And that will help you as a pivot point to dissociate, consciously dissociate. And I'm going to talk about that. What all three of these practices have in common is the state, the state that is working with the imaginal realm, that is working with the subconscious mind. And so, yes, meditation or some kind of self-hypnosis, if you're facilitating yourself, you could actually do a guided meditation and then move into one of these practices. And any of these practices, I think it's great to have your own self-facilitation so you could do a lot of your work every single day. That's the work of evolution is evolving every single day. But it's also great to go to facilitators, to go to healers, practitioners, because then you can really relax even more and turn the tools, turn the, the, the um, you know, yeah, what am I trying to say? The let, let someone else guide and then you may be able to get some kind of new infusion by that technician. So both are, I think, valuable, self-facilitation and then to be facilitated by someone else. So let's get into it. Pardon me while I take a sip of water. The first one we're going to talk about is inner child work. The second one we will talk about is to work with your timeline. And the third one we will talk about is the life review process with Archangel Jeremiel. Yes, and if that sounds familiar to you as the life review that happens after we pass, after after death or physical transitioning from physical to non-physical that is what i'm talking about but i'm talking about it in that we can actually utilize uh, a kind of i would say dialed down version of that <laughs> and uh and use it in the physical while we're still having the physical life inner child work as i said the one thing that all of these techniques have in common is that they must be done in state. It can be done in deeper state or it can be done in something that is more like the alpha-theta crossover state. And um, I don't need to get into a, a, a big nerdy lesson about brainwaves, but alpha is a light state of meditation and theta is a bit deeper. And so sometimes when we're doing a self-facilitation, we're kind of going over that liminal line between alpha and theta so that we can have the conscious mind observe and, and pay attention to what is going on. And then when we go a little deeper into theta, then we're really working with the uh, subconscious mind. And that's the place where we are being facilitated by spirit, by probably guides and different parts, different aspects of your subconscious mind that are being activated by helpers, guides, and guardians. So meditate, get into state, however you want to do that. Anything will do as long as it is a, if you have some kind of a meditation, if you're listening to an app, or I have a lot of meditations on my YouTube channel, and I also am on Insight Timer, and, or if you want to join my Mystic Arts Academy, there's tons that you can download because we, we, do, uh, I create those every single month and we actually, and sometimes every week. And so meditate so you can get into state. And then if you just let that, if it is a guided, if, if it is a guide track, let it trail off and then have your intention to do work. With inner child work, when you're in the state, step one, step one, well, I should say step two. Step one is get in the state. Step two, <laughs> step two, allow a child to approach you in your imaginal plane. Now, some people are more um, tuned to having imagery as in the, the visuals and inner seeing. Some are feeling kinesthetic and some are auditory and some just know. And so those are all the clairs as a kind of overview of clairvoyance, clairaudience, 
clairsentience and claircognizance, but even the knowing that there is a child present with you is when it suddenly occurs. Rather than creating it with your linear analytical mind, if you're in the state and you allow, then that's how it will just show up for you. So allow a child to approach you. Accept whoever she or he is because it may not look like you if you are like, you know, I'm a, I'm a female, fair, light skin and, and light hair. I may have a male child with a different complexion or something like that. Accept whoever he or she is because this is a part of the gestalt of it all. This is a part of the therapy. Accept whoever he or she is because he or she is the aspect that wants to work with you right now. Now, I would say maybe a lot of the time it, it could look like you and that's that's fine too or some version of you or doesn't really it doesn't matter at this time. So I'll accept whoever he or she is, whatever age she or he is. Now hint, there is a good chance that he or she will be between the ages of 0 and 8. And that's a hint for the next technique too. And that again is the, because most of this matrix of the mind that we are shifting is created between zero and eight. So, but accept whoever he or she is because it's what it is that you need at the time. The next thing I like to do is to, you know, communicate with the child. You may want to have just like a greeting of some kind. Send love to the child. Receive love from the child. See how the child would like to connect with you. If the child, maybe the child is doing an activity and maybe wants to have you come along, whatever it is, spend some time just observing what it is surrounding this child and what the activity or the interest is for you two to be together. What I like to do first is ask the child what it is that he or she is excited about. And that may come naturally because maybe you'll have a child say, come on, let's go, let's go play or be drawing and, and, and show you a drawing or talk to you about something, feel something or give you a hug, you know, whatever it is, it, allow it to happen. Do, do stay in the state and allow this to happen. Ask what he or she is excited about. That is a nice place to start. And that will be key probably for the whole experience. Next, ask what it is that he or she desires, as in what he or she is, you know, what that, what they want. You know, if we ask what they're excited about, that might be a little bit more of like, what is it that you're already experiencing that you want to share? And if you ask what they desire, maybe what they're wanting to create. And then also, maybe third, after you get that, ask what it is that they need. So if there's something that they need, and it could be specific, it could be non-specific, whatever it is, accept it and see if there is a way that you can help to give that. You are still you, you are the adult you. And if you can help that child to understand what it is that if it is, seems like they, they are lacking something, then help them to receive what it is that they need. So it could be that they need love, they need a hug, and you know that could be a, a symbol of it. If they are fearful of something, Know that you are there because you're going to help them to reveal the boogeyman in the closet, that there is no boogeyman. And be there to know that you have the wisdom available to be able to share with this child and know that the child is there to learn as well. And then spend some quality time with the child, having compassion for one another, seeing one another, and have some sort of probably embrace is how people tend to like to leave 
the interaction with the child and then allow them to go along their way. And when you are done, when you come up and out of your state, you might want to journal it. And then from that place of journaling it, look at the symbology there. If the child showed you what he or she is excited about, is there something there that you could interpret as if interpreting a dream? Because this is the same sp space as the dreamland in this imaginal realm and see what it is that is there to inform you. Now this, as I said, this is about changing the past. This does literally change the past and I'll tell you why. Because time is not subject, excuse me, we are not subject to time. Time is subject to us. Time and space are just fictitious realities that we have created to help us to map what is going on in this infinite universe to help us to enjoy the story. And so if we infuse a past timeline, like the past, the, the inner child, then we are going to shift all of the timeline. The timeline just becomes, excuse me, the timeline becomes something new. And that is literally changing the timeline because the literality of it is something that is the imaginal realm or the non-physical realm more than it is the physical having happenedness of it. You got this? Reminding us that spirit, non-physical, is it, it precedes the physical. Next, to work with your timeline. Now, there are a lot of different ways that you can work with your time, like almost infinite. So I'm just going to give you a little taste. No, I shouldn't. I don't know if it's infinite or not. It's probably limited. <laughs> there are many different ways. There is something called timeline therapy, which is trademarked, a specific kind of trademarked practice modality created by Tad James. Is that his name? Yes, Tad James. If I'm wrong, forgive me. I'm 99.9% .9 sure that's what it is. Tad James. And Tad James is an NLP practitioner, neuro-linguistic programming. And I'm an NLP practitioner. I'm certified in NLP. And the, then there's also just an NLP, something called Timeline, which is different than Timeline Therapy, the Tad James version of it. And then there are just looser versions of it. There's also MER, which is mental emotional release. So I'm going to teach you a light version that is really uh, a little bit of the Timeline of, of NLP and a little bit of the MER, mental emotional release, because I wanted to give you something simple. Now, what is important with this is we are going to go into the timeline in a more structured sense, but it is important to remember that we see the events as symbols and archetypes. As I said at the beginning, I'm going to say it again because repetition is watering the seeds. We see these as archetypal, as symbols, rather than something that literally happened. And this goes for your past lives as well, y'all. I mean it. Your past lives are better seen as some kind of liminal space that where you are seeing them as real as in the, ex the um, benefits of it, what can be learned from it rather than the actual physical events and the emotional pain or, or difficulty of it. Because if you put yourself in that, even if it's past life, then you could be reinforcing for yourself the victimhood when the reason that you would be recalling a past life or a past on this time-space reality timeline is to help and heal. So you would ask yourself again, what is more important, being right, being a victim, or feeling better? being healed. And just know that you're ready to move forward if you're ready to release the importance of right or wrong. So seeing the events as archetypal or symbolic, and yet at the same time, the benefit of them, which would be the non-physical, as very, very real. 
that which you can learn from them. We will be using memories in this, and they could be, again, kind of real. You you think, you know, you could have told that story yesterday, and so it's a real memory, but again, it's a reality that's created in the moment through these filters and through these perceptors. In the memories, we want to focus on what it is that we're learning from it rather than focusing on the physical experience or the emotional uh, physical uh, emotional experience itself and that would be for the particularly for the ones that we might call negative or painful or something and the positive ones then we can just enhance them even more and we can even make them even bigger and brighter and infuse into them even more positivity so the first thing to do when you're working with a timeline like this you, know, you do recognize that we tend to store time in our not our non-physical reality memories, we tend to store them as a line, as a, you know what I mean? Like that's how we kind of experience. We think birth, death, and in between there is like a geometric line. And so that's how we store it, even though time is much more fluid than that, even as it does exist. And so find your timeline. And the way you find your timeline is to really pretty easy, um, recognize, like kind of imagine what if, where, two weeks from now is. And so you kind of close your eyes and where is two weeks from now? Like if you were to have a line, like what does it feel like or where if you're looking at it and people tend to, now your timeline can go, oops, sorry, pardon me. Your timeline can go any direction. There's no right or wrong or better or worse. It's, it can be anything. Some people even have a timeline that swirls, but it still has a line that even if it moves around in a circle, but people tend to have it go like, uh, through them this way or horizontally in front of them. But if you, for me, for example, just to give you an example, and again, release this because you want to elicit your true timeline. For me, if I were facilitating someone, I I would not tell them this in advance. I want them, I want it to be your genuine timeline. So really clear this out of your mind when I'm done. I would, my two weeks from now is like right here. And if you're listening, I'm pointing in front of my body and a little bit to the right, uh, you know what I mean? Like rather than right in front of my body and rather than all the way to the right, it's like the halfway point. I guess that would be like 45 degrees between that right angle, between, you know, the angle going straight, the line going straight forward, the line going straight to the side, that would be a right angle. So I'm like right in the middle there, 45 degrees. And then if you want to ask, you know, if you want to just kind of get an idea of how it extends, then you can just imagine where 10 years from now is and just kind of imagine how far away it would reach from that same point. And then ask or feel or visualize where two weeks ago was, five years ago was. And for me, again, that is like somewhere over here. Now, it may not be a straight line, like I said. So whatever you get is accurate. The only reason we do that, it's not because we need to use it in such an exacting way, is just to connect with the fact that you experience time in something that moves along a line, okay? So that's the first thing you do. Be in your state. That you do and kind of just like clear your mind and what does it feel like. It is a light state, but you know, you want to be in your state. So then if you start with a particular incident, something that you want to solve or heal, then you want to use your self-healing head, your heart. You want to use your self-healing head and your heart and follow the feeling. I mean, the way we follow the feeling, let's say it, I'm frustrated about my relationship. Let's say that. Now, we want to take out, especially if it involves other parties, we want to be out of blame because this is about the energy of what it is you're experiencing. So the first thing you do is elicit the feeling 
and then dissociate from it in a way. Just observe it. Know that it's here to serve rather than it being on you and it kind of like engulfing you. We want to let it be out here, but we're we're able to feel into it and to understand it and to really investigate it well. So then follow the feeling. Now, what you want to do is see when the first time, and you can even ask that, when was the first time I felt this feeling? And it can happen for you spontaneously where you see or know, let's say, a particular age or an event. And just ask, when was the first time? Now, you'll be on that Be observing that timeline. Again, you're dissociated from it. And you maybe even if you're in the scene, you want to stay dissociated. Like you are an observer, you are an investigator. But you have compassion. You're compassionately involved, just not experientially involved. Now, essentially from there, you want to ask where, let's let's say, for example, if it did bring you back to age 21 or 17 or something, you want to ask if it was there, let's let's move the timeline back. Just ask, was it there, the, the, you know, and let me get the essence of that feeling. And was it there the year before or maybe five years before? Because here's the deal. To really, we want to get to the root. And, the, and it can sh- change shape because it could get simpler as you go back down into it. Because another hint, as I said before, is that it we probably started this, the root of this, the very, very tip of the root is probably between ages zero and eight. And so we're eliciting the root of it. And as you just kind of ask yourself and ask the, ask the, the feeling and the timeline, was it there five years before? And maybe it changes a little bit, but you can see how it's associated to that original feeling. Because of, you know, at 13, you didn't have a relationship, but you have something that is still resonating with that original, going along that line of resonance and continue to ask. And then if you get inside that range of eight to, to zero, then just ask, then go by year. And then if you get a little closer, because sometimes when you get closer, you're like, kind of, then go back a little bit. Was it there six months before? Something like that. And because for me, I actually was doing this once and I landed at an event that was a memory that I think is real. I'm not sure if it is. It, again, it's being created in the moment. I just, you know, I, as I was recalling, I was about eight years old and I kept working with it and I was working with it for like a couple of months and it, it wasn't loosening. And then I asked, was it there earlier? Was it there at six? Oh yeah. Was it there at five? Yeah. Okay. And I kindly, I went back and I was about like less than a year old. And so I wasn't able, I wasn't working with the root of it. You know what I mean? You know, like if you cut a weed off at the top of the soil, it's just going to grow right back up. You have to pull the weed out, like, you know what I mean? Roots and all. So then we go and we find the root of it, the the event in a picture may, a, a scene or even just a feeling may be elicited about it. And again, make sure that you consciously dissociate. Consciously dissociate is consciously dissociating is different than repressing, avoiding, or evading. It means that you are pulling yourself out of it as an experience and you're being the observer. And so one way that you might do that is to allow yourself to float, float, float way above it, way, way above it, so that you are now a seer of the event. And while you're floated way above it, charge yourself up with so much love. 
use some kind of positive imagery or event or feeling or call on an, a guide or an angel, wh whatever works for you to get really charged up into a positive state. And now we want to hold on to that. You must hold on to that feeling state. And we bring that a little bit closer and look at it again. And from that masterful, wonderful feeling state, knowing that you're connected to infinite intelligence and wisdom, choose what it is that you learn from it or ask, ask or choose. But you're really, you're the guide and you're the guardian here. What was there to be learned? What could be learned? What could be learned in that experience? And if you are feeling the, the experience of that original event, feeling the victimhood of it, then again, you need to hang on to that positive feeling state and know that you are there because you have chosen healing over victimhood or you've chosen feeling better over being right and just know that you're becoming a master of this. So what could be learned? And if you're holding on to that positive feeling and then bringing it into the scene, then the injury can't happen because you can't experience that positive, wonderful, connected feeling and separation and injury at the same time. You hear that? You cannot feel connection and unity and separation at the same time. You can witness separation, but you cannot feel it at the same time. And so if you bring that to it, insisting that you hold on to that unified feeling, then you're going to see and feel the learning. You're going to get the learning which was offered to you and bring the learning back. Associate the learning to the moment rather than the injury. Associate the learning to the moment rather than the injury. And what this does is it neutralizes the emotions, the feeling, the pain, and the hurt. It doesn't need to. It doesn't even change the memory of, of what the events were, but it makes you a master. If that child, if that's where you are, is in probably between zero and eight, if that child were some kind of magical being who could not be changed by the outside reality, what would he or she have learned about this world instead? And that's what it is that you are there to, to learn. And so then bring back that learning and then associate with that moment. And this does change timeline. It does change the past and the future and the present because time is fluid. And so you will shift it. Now, another thing you could do with your timeline, just so you know, is you can go forward to the future and select because all timelines exist, all possibilities exist, and go to a future of your choosing of the manifestation and then work backward and, and see, like reverse engineer how you got there and bring those states back to the present you now. And so that's just another thing you could do. Just a little quickie there, just to give you a teaser, but we are working with the past. So it enables you to clear limiting beliefs about what happened then by making it a more resourceful thing to have happened. And then, therefore, it is. This is how it's actually changed in the past. And it stops you. If it's, it has been stopping you from creating what you want in your life now, it's now become a resource. It's become a learning opportunity, and you're even stronger. So both the unwanted negative emotions and the limiting beliefs, they would influence every part of our lives. And so now you are you can allow yourself to be free of it, not only free of it, but you have shifted it to a positive experience because you learned from it, because you learned from it. All right, the final technique is working with Archangel Jeremiel 
and having a life review. Now, this can happen at any time. So the life review process after you pass is you, you know, you pass, um, you dis the, the spirit dismisses the physical form. It's returned to the earth. The consciousness is there first in 4D, and then there is the usually seen as a tunnel of light and usually seen as the um, the bridge to cross over and you go into the light and then you, um, you know, Crystal, Crystal and Compton and I did an episode talking about that recently, a couple, just like a few episodes prior to this. One is about 4D and one is about, um, what is it called? The Lords of Karma. And we talk about the process and everything. So if you really want to kind of get into that, you can go there. But the life review process is about reviewing all of the incidents from the dissociated's place, reviewing everything in your life that had occurred, and this is if we were to do it from the state of having transitioned from the physical life, everything, and you you get into every single perspective, yours and others, and you uh, observe it so much to where you have compassion for absolutely everybody. And so you can see what everyone was dealing with, healed and unhealed, that brought them to the moments and the things that you could see the true desires, the true intentions of growth and expansion, and then you have compassion for it, and then that's where you are. So this is what you can do in a general sense. I You can do it over a specific thing, kind of like what we've done, but I find it to be really helpful to do for a very general kind of experience, like your your life so far, not needing it to be a specific incident. So either way, so what you want to do is go into meditation, probably into one of your deeper meditations, maybe go into, use it if you are one who uses guidance tracks, use one that is deeper. I actually have an Archangel Jeremiel um, meditation, so I'm probably going to publish this and put it in the link in the put a link here in the description. So check it out. And so you would be consciously detached, of course, for this. And then call in Archangel Jeremiel. And you may experience this Archangel in any particular way as a light, as a loving presence, as a guide that can help you to review things in a loving and compassionate way. And allow just the general sense of all that you are experiencing, and that means the past, the present, and the future. And allow yourself to just ask where the compassion is, ask where the light is, ask where the learning is, and to call in a profoundly gratitude, yeah, profound state of gratitude and appreciation. That would be the goal. And allow all of the events to pass through you, knowing that any of the experiences that just choosing, electing, selecting that that the reason for this, any experience that you would be that you might deem as negative, that only the learning is passing through you at the time, is passing through your awareness, and it is just moving through. And Jeremiel can be there for you as a facilitator to say, and here is this for you to love, have compassion for, learn from. And it could be a positive thing, and how wonderful. And and again, it could be a sense that it's something in the future. It could be a sense that it's something greater than this particular life. But I, I find it really helpful to work on it as an isolation of this physical incarnation. Well, I know that one was a little bit more general, but it's just something for you to take into your own practice, a suggestion to work with Archangel Jeremiel. And like I say, I do have um, a meditation that is a, a, a hypno journey, it may be, that, it, that guides you around this. And so I will make that available to you. And that's what I have for you for this episode and reminding you that you are 
you cannot imagine a non-reality, reminding you that the reason that we are kind of obsessed with the physical reality is because that we will believe we will feel better by the having of it, as Abraham Hicks says, but the, but the feeling better is what actually precedes it. And that is something that you have absolute mastery over right now. That is something that we don't maybe always know, that you are in charge of how you feel. You are in charge of your state. And your state that you have, which is the total vibration and that which then sends out the frequency or the signal, you are in charge of that 100%. And the way that you can bring in a new state is to feel the state that you want to experience. So use that feeling mechanism as, as the magnet that it is to bring to you the state. Well, that's this episode for you, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found something beneficial. Changing your past is just as important as being in your present and moving into your future because, again, time is fluid and you are the master of it. That's this episode. I hope you'll join me next week. I have a very exciting guest on. It is, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you right now, but I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you who it is. I'm just going to tease you with it. It is someone who is an author. It's someone who works with unicorns in the elemental realms and archangels. We have so much fun and I, um, I, I'm excited to share it with you. I'm excited to connect with you guys on that episode and much more. Do check out my Mystic Arts Academy because that's a way that I get uh, more deeply involved with the folks who are helping me to create this. And I really appreciate you guys. So thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are. guys, it's Trisha Carr. I have new exciting things going on with my Mystic Arts Academy. You can now subscribe to receive all of the live monthly content for about a third of the investment of a single class. Included are at least one downloadable guided meditation per month, two live events ranging from classes, channeled messages, group readings, intuitive development guidance, Q&A sessions, and tons of community. You'll also have access to a private Facebook community for fellowship and support, and this space is kept super sacred and high vibrational. Your subscription gives you access to the whole library of classes and live events, which are on a vast array of topics. All events are offered online by Zoom video call, and many are also offered live in person at my studio here in Los Angeles. Subscribing to the Mystic Arts Academy is also a way for you to support the Charmed Life podcast and engage on a deeper level. I'm offering the subscription at a super low rate of $22 a month. Joining now locks in this rate for as long as you're subscribed. Click on the description of this episode or go to my website, trishacarcharm.com, and click on Mystic Arts Academy. I look forward to connecting.